0: Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize My name is John, I'm joined by Ian
1: What is up?
0: Not much, today is August 10th And this is episode 24, Emrakul and her company at the Pro Tour uh, because this past weekend was the Pro Tour, which was weird for it being on American uh, time, lo- time zones being Thursday, Friday, and Saturday <laughs> evening as opposed to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evenings.
1: Sir, you didn't have to mod the channel.
0: <laughs> That's true. I, I could go to sleep at some points. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I intentionally, I intentionally had coffee at like 11 p.m., my time in the Pacific coast or Pacific time just so I could stay up and watch like half the freaking I mean course. I'm in central
0: time zone so it's even it's it's worse for me because it's like 2am and then it's like oh it's around 5 well I guess I'll go to sleep or whatever it was no it'd be oof. closer to around 6 or 7 but anyways
1: it was it's like oh so this is what it's like to live on the other side of the world trying to watch magic events <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Poor,
1: poor people over there. Quick
0: aside, when I lived in Hawaii and I watched uh, Lunar Ready Run streams the first time in Hawaii, like, that was when I first got really got into watching uh, streams, and it was really interesting, it being like, you know, lunchtime, and then they start streaming, and it's like, great, this is sweet, and then, yeah, anyways... Uh, first things we're going to do, as we always do, is we're going to turn our eyes to the community. And we have two big things. The One is definitely bigger than the other. And we're going to go ahead and start with the big news.
1: It's massive. It
0: is huge. And, and that is that Randy Bueller of uh, the Magic, Pro, Magic the Gathering Pro Tour Hall of Fame, former lead, head of development in Magic R&D, is officially stepping down from on-screen coverage of Magic events.
1: Yeah, and... He was he was doing calculations. I don't know how many like he was mentioning like actually pro or Grand Prix and stuff like that, but he's he has commentated or been in the booth at seventy three. Yep. Different Pro Tours. Seventy three. That's insane. And he was mentioning like how he actually got started. It was like at one of the earlier Pro Tours or something like that, I forget which player it was, was in the booth doing the commentary, then ended up having to like continue on in the event (laughs) it was in like this semi-final like had made like the day two like the top eight or whatever like that and couldn't be in the booth so mark rosewater was just like took a flyer on randy and put him in the booth and the rest is history yeah we got like such crazy calls like the uh the infamous lightning helix call oh lightning
0: helix off the top that still gives me chills that still gives me chills um I mean, love him or hate him, depending on where you sit, Randy has been nothing but incredibly influential on Magic, both as a player, as a developer, and as a commentator. He has contributed Mm -hmm. his voice and his fingerprint on a ton of different avenues around magic and like, he will be sorely missed
1: and even content creator like he's the reason we have like the vintage super league and yeah. various other super leagues he was the impetus behind all of that so i mean
0: he still has his uh, gauntlet of greatness with uh card kingdom yeah and, and, and
1: we're, we're still going to be getting the vintage super leagues and such like that it's just he's not going to be in the booth for the uh like on screen at things but he had he did mention though that he was having talking with wizards to get kind of a behind the scenes kind of approach. And my assuming my assumption on that is like some sort of like producer kind of role yeah. or something or executive producer, or whatever the heck they're going to do with it. But I'm, I'm okay with like, like you said, love them or hate them. Like there are definitely people who aren't a fan of Randy, but it's one of those like, like here's the thing
0: I, there. It, off the top of my head, there are three people that I would put into the, into the magic hall of fame, not for their playing careers. And they would be Richard Garfield, Mark Rosewater, and Randy Bueller.
1: just yeah, off just the top for, of my head. Yeah, and the thing is, like, <laughs> who, like with, if Randy hadn't been tapped for coverage and everything like that way back in the day, like, who knows what kind of pro career he could have had. Yeah. Like, that's one of those things, too, you think about. It's like, he, his, his big claim to fame is him and Eric Lauer, who still works at, you know, developing cars and all that stuff. Like, their claim to fame was breaking the hell out of uh, Urza's destiny block. Like the the Not just that.
0: They broke Necropotence.
1: Well, no, no, but but it was the Urza's Destiny block that brought them the uh, – well, yeah, he also broke Necropotence, but the uh, Memory Jar combo yes. yeah. that led to Combo Winter.
0: I think he told the story before where he flew to – Yeah, they flew
1: out to like – I think it was Europe. A
0: European GP or whatever. Him and Eric, him
1: and Eric were like – they discovered the deck and like we need to just destroy with this deck while we can and they flew out to Europe – And like, yeah, by the way, Wizards, check this. Yeah, exactly. And it was because of that deck that led them to get jobs at
0: Wizards. Because it's like, hmm,
1: maybe we should start playtesting these things a little bit more. (laughs)
0: Maybe a little bit. Uh, Anyways, the the bottom line is that we're going to miss Randy. Um, He has been very influential. And I will look forward to seeing him on the VSL and the Gauntlet of Greatness. Because he still does a lot of stuff uh, for content creators out there. And I've already seen a push for Randy to be on the Community Cup. That would be for, cool for cool. this upcoming year. But we'll you see. know, be
1: you know, be hilarious though. Like another thing that's cool with Randy is like he has one of the most awesome like draft set collections.
0: Oh yeah, that I've oh, seen that video. That picture f- was just silly. Four booster boxes
1: of every set of Magic. Yeah, four of them.
0: It's like. Oh. The draft, the he talent. said that in a tweet a few months back, and he said this is either my retirement plan or my plan for retirement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why not both?
0: Why not both? Uh, other big news that happened is that we record these on Wednesdays, and that's when the magic story comes up, and we are ramping up towards conspiracy, which is launching uh, or the spoilers are starting next Monday or this upcoming Monday.
1: We've already gotten two. We've already gotten two stories. I didn't read three today's, but
0: Oh, today's was very good. Um, it gives a little bit more of the backstory behind the puzzle on the back of the EMA tokens. Ah, uh, yes. We're it's a little bit like, more of that fleshed out. Uh, yeah, I've, I've caught
1: bits and pieces of what it is. It's essentially, I guess, Marchesa taking the throne.
0: Anyways, but we get Kaya's card a few days ahead of schedule, which is fantastic and a great way to build up hype. Uh, and as we expected, Kaya is a mythic planeswalker in Conspiracy Take the Crown. She is two white-black for a five-loyalty Planeswalker with three loyalty abilities. She has a... I'm going to start from the bottom up this time, and you'll, you'll see why in a moment. She has a minus two, where each opponent discards a card and you draw a card. She has a minus one, where each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And then she has a zero, which takes up the real bulk of the card and it, what really makes her an interesting card to play with. And you exile Kaya or up to one target creature. You return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of your next upkeep, and then you lose two life.
1: Yeah, so what's kind of funny there is when Jon started from the bottom, you're like, wait, minus two is just discard draw? Wait, what? Mainly because, like, usually you'd expect to see some, like, fancy-schmancy ultimate ability right there. But her actual first ability is basically her ultimate, and which is weird because it's actually nothing game-breaking. Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird how... So she's not a planeswalker that, like, when you... You know, usually pe- people blow off the planeswalker ultimate, and it's like, usually if you hit ultimate, you win the. It's like a win, win more kind of ability, or like I will just dominate the game. Like, for instance, we have the new Liliana, which just starts crapping zombies out at you left and right.
0: We'll talk about her a little bit later.
1: Right, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. Like, she's she's the kind of car where like she'll just like start yep. spitting zombies out, and like will eventually win you the game because you're just gonna have to waste removal after removal on exactly. zombies her like her ability, she doesn't have a plus ability either, which is crazy except for the fact that her zero ability is a plus ability.
0: Yeah, so what's so going to happen it's, there... Explain that one, John. So what's going to happen is that Planeswalkers have this hidden text that says they enter the battlefield with a number of loyalty counters equal to their starting loyalty. That's why the Origins Planeswalkers had to exile themselves as creatures and then come back transformed. So let's say that you play Kaya and you minus two her twice and then she's at one loyalty. On your next turn you zero Kaya, exiling her... You lose two life, of course, and then at the beginning of her next upkeep, she comes back with five loyalty. So this zero can act as a plus, however much you need in order to get her back to her starting loyalty. So you can use her first. You can use her drain ability or her discard ability, and then if she if she appears to be getting threatened, you just zero her, and she comes back later. Yeah,
1: well, it's nice. What's kind of fun about that is that she will never get more than five loyalty unless you're playing something that multiplies counters upon enter so something like a doubling season
0: doubling season or any of the uh, proliferate cards from scars of mirrodin block would also work very well in that regard
1: Yeah, so per by herself she will never unless another card is acting upon her will go above yeah. five loyalty
0: exactly um so doubling season and her aren't the best of friends unlike other planeswalkers cough tamio cough but kaya is still really really powerful Barf. um the funny thing is that her minus one is a uh, siphon soul or a version of siphon soul. And her minus two is a version of siphon mind, which is a really, really slick design from, uh, from wizard's part here.
1: Yeah. We, we learned about that. Cause, uh, rules guru, Matt Tabak <laughs> was tweeted about it today. And was like, I didn't even notice this until the card designer pointed it out to me. Yeah. It's like, it's just one of those like slick little things. It's like, all right, wizards.
0: All right. It's like I see. It. We see you. We see you. Uh, anyways, uh, a big thing to note about Kaya and all the conspiracy cards that we'll probably be talking about in the upcoming weeks is that they are not legal in Standard. They are not legal in Modern. They are only legal in Legacy and Vintage, as well as your other Magic formats such as Highlander, Commander. You put. You could put Kaya into a cube. In any case, so you don't need to worry about her being put into Standard right into that Black-White Control deck, because I know that Black-White Control deck would love Akaya.
1: Dude, Akaya would be so good in that deck.
0: Yeah, she'd be really good in Standard, period.
1: Well, uh, I don't even know about her Like, minus- I, I don't think I would ever really minus two to her in this format if you're going up against the Delirium like deck. Well, if you're playing
0: Company, you don't want to do that because they have Flyers. And again, against Delirium, yeah, I could see that being an issue.
1: Yeah, like, it's basically just like...
0: But it's card advantage. I'm, I'm, you draw cards. Yeah,
1: I'm just still reticent to have them feed their graveyard because they can just dump whatever they want to get in there.
0: That is totally fair. We'll talk about
1: those in a minute or two. We're going
0: to talk about those probably just right about now. So let's go ahead and jump into our main topic, which is the Pro Tour Eldritch Moon, which happened this last weekend, was absurd. So much great magic was being played. Uh, We're not going to spend a lot of time on the limited portions. We're going to talk mainly about the standard portions, but man... BBD had an amazing draft to start off, which showed a great um, maximum in drafting, which is look for what's open. And he got past a third pick, Gisa and Garolf, and guess what? Blue-black was open.
1: Yeah, what, that's like the, like the, the main maximum. Is, oh, so remember, the like, Pro Tour happened, like we mentioned, Sydney, Australia, blah, 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 blah whatever. Anyway, um, no, yeah, like it's the, – the, the main maximum is don't be married to your first pick.
0: Yeah, and your first pick to Thalia, which is a really good card, but yeah – he ended up he, in a very sick blue-black deck, and I think he 3-0'd that draft pod.
1: He did. You yep. get you get something like a third pick, you Singer off, and you're like, I think he must have seen something in the, the first pack that he got, or not his his pack one pick two. It
0: was Galvanic
1: Bombardment. He, about I'm saying like he might have seen stuff in the pack that was there. Was like, okay, maybe somebody didn't take this. And it's like, okay, again, passes blue-black. And the thing with the blue-black zombie deck that he got, and the commentators were mentioning this at the time, is that it's a deck that can be really good if you get payoff cards for it. Yeah. you He could have like the the risk that BBD took in that was that he might not end up actually getting a decent deck at all just because he might not have seen pieces of yeah. the deck. Because there are some pieces that he'd want that other decks might want a little bit of but not like insane amount of. So.
0: Exactly. I'm sure we'll talk about the limited format a little bit later on, uh, as we get Every, closer to Kaladesh. Maybe
1: everything we've heard of, though, like all the pros are like, "This is a in a like." I know it's everyone's
0: like, "Oh, this set's great." I'm
1: drafting early, but everyone's like, "No, this is actually a really slick draft."
0: Yeah, Ben Stark tweeted out that this is probably that he says this is the best limited set in the last five years,
1: and that's coming with like con triple cons, which was.
0: Uh, you want to know what was that was five years ago though?
1: I uh, guess original Estrad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Original Innistrad came out fall of two thousand
1: eleven. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, it's <laughs> it's great. Anyways. It's, a, it's, it's, it's amazing what. Well, I know we didn't want to talk too much about the limit, but I just wanted to say it's amazing what the focus of the going to the two block draft, two block format with the small set, quote unquote small, because they're not super small anymore. But the small set getting the two packs there.
0: Like, we, we could do an entire episode on that, because I have a lot of thoughts on it.
1: <laughs> oh, no, sure, let's do it. We'll <laughs> Not do today, like two, though.
0: Two, Not two, today. like two
1: or three episodes, we'll do
0: it. Not today. Today we're going to talk about the Pro Tour, and first up, we got to give a big congratulations to the winner of Pro Tour Eldritch Moon, Lucas Blohan, with his white-black control deck.
1: Yeah, so this is what you would, what you kind of expect from the white-black control decks these days. You know, you got some main deck, Cletus, you got... Archangel Avis in there. He who's yeah. playing a one of Linvala in the main, which I think was pretty nice. Yeah, Linvala does that,
0: a lot, does a really good work against the tokens deck, giving you an extra flyer. And cool. five five flyer is just big.
1: Plus the life gain ability, which yeah. against a deck like Company will come into play because I mean you're you're playing, like I said, of those three creatures that they're playing in the main deck, they're all legendary, so you're not going to have a lot out at a time unless you start pumping out zombies with Kalidas. But yeah but he's also got a sore, a singleton sorin, you know, three liliana the last hope which she we'll talk oh, about her. Yeah, in we'll get little, to her a little bit too. But she did some work this weekend. Yep.
0: It's uh, just basically the white black deck that you've come to know and love in this standard environment. Um good removal, good planeswalkers and, the, and then the only they finished the, the game. Thing I really
1: yeah, the only thing I really picked up from this set looking at it was basically Liliana.
0: Yeah, basically. No, um, the other the other funny the, thing uh, to note... I'm looking at the list it. real quick,
1: and yeah, yep. it plays nothing. From...
0: I did love the two up-front Hallowed Moonlights, though. That was... Oh, yeah.
1: It's just like, <laughs> <That's>...
0: <laughs> get, wreck, get,
1: get wreck company.
0: It is. And uh, congratulations as well, But the condo- and some condolences as well to the runner-up, Owen Turtenwald, who is one of the um, Hall of Famers elect. So he's gotten into the Hall of Fame, and he was on a list called Teamer Emerge, although I've seen some people say, no, no, no. This isn't Team Emerge. This is Turbo Emmercool.
1: Well, he also forgot something. He also got something else this weekend, too. He did.
0: He also got Player of the Year because Seth Manfield had a uncharacteristically poor Pro Tour experience. Um, so Owen, with his finalist appearance, is the Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, he, he led
0: the year off with it. He was the mid-season master. Mid-season and master. master the
1: and then basically fell behind at mid-season to Seth just rocking it. and. Yeah. Came through at the end, but he still put up enough finishes and enough good results that he yeah. was able to cross the finish line ahead of Seth.
0: Yeah, and exactly but, because again, Seth had a really bad Pro Tour. Like yeah. he did too, but he was like five and nine or five and six or five and seven at one point. Yeah,
1: he he basically just had a very mid range, middle of the road Pro Tour for him, yeah. which is you know, it's it's things kind of coming in like basically being like, look, if you just do like halfway decent and even like top sixty four, you're basically player of the year yeah. and
0: but the Turnwall wall deck is teamer colors but it's mainly blue green and it's only splashing red for a single card and that is Kozilek's return
1: well the list he was playing the some of the lists are mostly blue green and stuff like that a lot of other ones are uh, he actually has Chandra in there too yeah
0: I, I'm looking at the list as well
1: yeah and Fire impulse but funny enough like you mentioned it was blue green but in his main deck there's no blue pips in the casting costs of any of these cards I say potentially casting costs, I should say, because Elder Deep Fiend and Wretched Griff with yeah. the merge, they use blue in their casting costs. However, the, what you see in the upper right-hand, cor- right-hand corner uh, has no blue pips. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, the big thing to notice again with this deck is this deck is trying to cast Emrakul the Promised End as quickly as possible. Like, it's running cast- Corrupted Grafstone.
1: We say cast. Yeah, Corrupted Grafstone of all things. Yeah. People saw... Like they be pl- The first time he was on camera and played that, everyone was like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. But, they, I mean, Owen Turnwald, man, this is a... Apparently, this deck can t- cast an Emrakul on turn six. Yeah, it's
1: gross. And grapple the, grapple with the past? Yeah. Like, surprisingly insane.
0: Yeah. Um, and then big props to the other top eight competitors. We had Luis Scott Vargas, who got to the semifinals with Bant Collected Company. We had Reed Duke, who lost to LSV in the first round of the event, playing Red-Green Delirium. We have Sam Pardee, who also made the semifinals with a Black-Green Delirium deck. Uh, Then we had Yuta Takahashi, Andrew Brown, and Ken Yukihiro, all making the top eight as well. Uh, Yuta on Band
1: Band Band
0: Company, Andrew Brown on Teamer Emerge, and Ken Yukihiro on Red-Green Delirium. Uh, Real quick, the differences between Andrew Brown's list and Owen's list is that Owen is only running one Wretched Griff, Whereas Andrew Brown is running uh, four Wretched Griffs, four Mattery Shapers, a Lashweed Lurker, and three Elder Deep Fiends, and no Embercools main deck.
1: And a Partridge and a Pear Tree.
0: Yeah, Owen's deck is all about casting Embercool. Andrew Brown's deck has no Embercools in the main deck and only one in the sideboard.
1: Yeah, his, his deck is just looking to get some serious value off of his Mattery Shapers. Pump, basically, like his Mattery shaper has, he has shaman the forgotten ways there, which I think Primal is druid, really cool. Primal druid, which is from cool.
0: EMN as well, which you can when you sack it, you can go get a basic land and all that other fun stuff. Yeah,
1: lash with their deep fiend and like elder deep fiend and one of these other cards alone with shaman the forgotten ways turns on his formidable. Yeah, which if you forgot, he is from dragons of Tarkir. <laughs> yeah, has has a. Tap to add two mana in any combination of any colors to your mana pool. Spend this only to cast creature spells. Then he has formidable, which was, remember you have to control total power eight or greater for this. Nine green, green, and tap. Each player's life total becomes the number of creatures he or she controls.
0: You so want to talk about a card that's absurd against control decks? That one. <laughs> that one is, that, oh man. Yeah, rhythm is that. a hell of a card.
1: Yeah, it is. That's why it's banned in Commander.
0: Yes. Well, it's also <laughs> banned now, in Commander I, for a um, million other reasons. I was,
1: I was really happy, like, I mean, as a company player, to see Company actually still there. Uh, it actually, funnily enough, had, like, one of the worst conversion rates to Day 2. Yeah, it was, it
0: was- 19% of the metagame, and Black Green Delirium, the Black Green Delirium variants, put more people into Day 2 numbers-wise, despite Company having, like, 21 more players.
1: Yeah, like, Company was, like, 20-something, like, tw- I think it was, like, the Different variations, including Bant Spirit Company, yeah, like 23% of the field, and it put half of that into day two. Where Delirium was like 11 or 12%, I think it like, put like
0: 38 39 people into day two,
1: yeah, and it, it yeah, so it was like it put 60 to 70 percent into day two, yeah. Um, the Delirium decks are powerful, like yes. straight up. No joking. The pros found the delirium decks that, like, funnily enough, what LSV was mentioning about the testing that uh, Channel Fireball Team Ultra Pro combo did is they didn't really find the delirium decks that other teams did. Yeah, which, which is I think really interesting. interesting. Um, yeah, you'd, so- you'd figure you figure like with the, the guys they have in that house that they were testing with, like, they might have found something. But to be honest with you, Luis had some insane, and I mean insane luck like he does
0: i mean they don't call him luck skill victory for nothing
1: oh can we just mention lsv made his third straight top eight appearance hey ian when was the last
0: time that happened
1: it was like 19 18 years ago something like that that 1998
0: you know at that time yeah it was john
1: finkel it was john finkel
0: you know who did it the time before I forget. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name as well, but Randy Buehler mentioned it, and it was like yeah, in the first few Pro Tours.
1: It was. I think they were saying Pro Tours 2, 3, and 4. Yeah. So like Pro Tours 2, 3, and 4, and then Finkel in 98, and now LSV all the way in 2016.
0: And on Sunday, uh, Matei Zattle guy, who – is he in the Hall of Fame? I don't remember.
1: I don't think Big Z is, but he no, actually – he, he's, he's, he, he he's made retiring, an argument. He, he is retiring from Pro Tours. Yes. Close.
0: But he made but, an argument that LSV is the best Magic player of all time. Um. Better than Finkel better than Kai I didn't I need Debat- to go back and watch it myself Debatable. But they mentioned that during the broadcast that I, but I missed that part I was like huh
1: it was interesting, interesting. no uh I it, he with, with LSV doing this the, he actually has clinched basically him and Finkel have you can argue well you can definitely say him uh, Finkel and LSV have the best two careers after being elected to well first the thing program. is that
0: Finkel has like what 16 top eights that's two Something- lsvs
1: But even then, like LSV has eight, yeah, on his own. It's like he did three of them this year.
0: Well, okay. So then the question is, which Hall of Fame career is Finkel on? If LSV's on his second, it's like his third. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways,
1: he's Finkel, dude. He's
0: big. Props to LSV making it to LS three, (laughs) and we're gonna be seeing him at Worlds next year, and we're gonna or not next year, this year, and we're gonna talk about Worlds at the end because we still want to talk about the Pro Tour because the Pro Tour had a lot of cool things that happened. Cards that went up cards that went down and let's start off with the card that went way up with herself and the promised end
1: yeah so the up in literally like popularity as being played in so many decks and also price like she was ten ten dollars i got three copies day one yeah at ten dollars a piece thankfully by the end of the pro tour
0: by the end of day one, one she was unquote,
1: 30 she was 30 bucks yeah, by the end she was like 35. She's dropped back down to like 28 right now. Yeah. But she is a good magic card. I don't care what you say and all the haters. We learned that Mindslaver, even with a downside, is a damn good effect.
0: Yeah, it was absurd just seeing cool cast and then just seeing all the mental gymnastics going on. And my favorite play of the entire weekend was seeing um, – Owen Turnwald, mine, or casting Embercool against his Van Company opponent, going, okay, you're going to cast your Reflective Mage, bouncing my Embercool to my hand, and then it's your turn. Yeah. Also, LSB survived a Mind Control turn. Oh, that was so sick. And oh. then the, like, the
1: opponent drew like a land on the Mind Control turn, and then the turn after he drew, I think it was a company or something. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. no, there was one where he got controlled by either Reed or Owen, where he had Company, Avison Land, and then he drew a company. <laughs> it was just like... <laughs>
1: Are you kidding? Because I think I think oh, I think it was Reed and Reed yeah. cast company whiffed. didn't pick any. Yeah, well, intentionally whiff because remember it's a may ability. Yeah. So you can choose not to put anything into play. So in the mind control turn, he he whiffed on him, and <laughs> the
0: next thing just redraws another company. Yeah, it was silly.
1: Uh, uh, as a company player, I was like, yes.
0: It was so silly.
1: I, I was I was in chat antagonizing everybody at the time. I'm like, I'm a terrible person because I'm moderating this chat, and I'm a bank company player. And they're like, man, I have no respect for you anymore. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I know. It happens. Exactly. But, but
0: Emberkul was just absurd, and he was. she was everywhere. She was everywhere. Everybody uh, – uh, not everybody, but a lot of the people basically said, okay, bank companies is the deck to beat. How do we beat bank company? Well, what we got to do is we got to go above and beyond Band Company. And what's the biggest (laughs) thing in Standard right now? Emrakul the Promised End.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Owen's version of Team Remerge was trying to power out Emrakul via her Super Delirium, which is essentially her card gets. uh, It costs one less to cast for each different card type among cards in your graveyard. So, like. You can like they were saying like, you can easily get her down to like seven or eight CMC. Yes. At that, like based off of dumping a lot of cards into the graveyard and stuff with that. Uh, Reed Duke's version was literally like a ramp deck. Yeah. Like he was actually the red green delirium deck style. is
0: yeah the red green delirium deck is more of a ramp style but still running the delirium payoffs. Uh, for yes. example, Reed was also running Dragonlord Tarkas.
1: Hey, so we got <laughs> draft all star. Vestal of Nascency is four of many of these decks, just
0: because... Yeah! Let's go ahead and talk about that, because my mind was blown, because the first feature match for Standard was Andrew Cuneo against Owen Turnwald, and they both led on Turnwald Vessel of Nascency, and I was just like, what's going on?
1: Everyone's mind's like, what the hell decks did these guys discover? <laughs> and then we saw Turn 2 Corrupted graphstone and we're like, what the hell? Yeah, it yeah, was o- so... Owen Turnwald. The very first standard match with turn one Vessel of Nascency into turn two Corrupted Grafstone, and everyone's minds are just like, what is this? Yeah, I remember don't... Vessel of Nascency,
0: a single green for an enchantment at common from Shadows, one of the green sack it. you reveal the top four cards of your library, and you can pick a permanent among them, essentially, and put it into your hand. And then, and then not the rest- only that, but grapple with the past. Yeah, grapple, grapple was also played. And gather the pack. And Gather the
1: Pack, too. So for those of you who don't remember, it was an uncommon all the way back from Origins. It's one in a green source where you reveal the top five cards of your library – you need to put a creature card among them into your hand, put the rest in your graveyard. And then has Spell Mastery, if there are two more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, put up to two creature cards from among them revealed into your hand instead of one. A lot of the times, Gather the Pack was used, and they didn't even care about Spell Mastery. They would just dump four cards in their graveyard.
0: Yeah, they would grab one creature or whatever, and it would just even, fill the yard. Yeah, even if they
1: had Spell Mastery, just like, we just going to grab one.
0: Now, the biggest thing, now, the biggest winner, though, was grapple with the pass, which is one of the green for an instant, where you, you mill three, and then you can pick any land or creature from your graveyard. Now, what grapple does very, very, very well is it lets you pick back up any of your creatures that might have died. For example, let's say you cast an Ember Cool and she gets countered, and she goes to your graveyard. Well, then you just grapple her back, or you grapple back your Ishkanah, or you grapple or back your whatever, whatever or creatures pilgrim, you need. pilgrim's
1: eye. Pilgrim's eye,
0: Yeah. And Grapple of the Past was like the secret winner of this Pro Tour. Yeah,
1: because remember with Elder Deepfiend, like you can play Pilgrim's Eye, which is a three three mana artifact. It's a one one flyer, but you and you search enters battlefield. You search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put in your hand. So you can ramp yourself in more. Like you sacrifice it to Elder Deepfiend, you can go turn three Pilgrim's Eye, turn four Elder Deepfiend, then you can Grapple with the Past on the next turn and get back your Pilgrim's Eye and cast it again and then start. It it was an insane loop that those decks can start doing. Oh,
0: it was crazy. Um,
1: Speaking of looping cards, geez, Liliana.
0: Oh, Liliana, the last hope. So Liliana had two main places where she shined. One was in the Delirium decks, as you would expect. You know, milling two and picking up a creature is fine, because, like, picking up an Ishkana, which, as a reminder, was a 3-5 reach, spider for five, that with Delirium comes in with 3-1-2 spiders with reach. Or 3-1-2 spiders with reach. And she was also everywhere. Like at every green deck that you found that was not playing company, you found Ishkana because she just stonewalls the company decks. So, so
1: speaking of Ishkana and Liliana, I honestly think that when the pros did all their testing, it's those two. Like one thing we didn't really see a whole lot of this weekend were the spirit decks. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, spirits are going to be so great!" No spirits decks were around. Yeah. Well, there was there was the the one ban company spirits that was around at the top tables like towards the end of day two, but the straight up like. Blue, white Everybody's spirits. Like, oh and- my god, this is going to be the next version of fairies. No, none of them showed up because stone stonewalls the entire deck. You can yeah. slam Ishkanah even early with certain thing in certain decks and stuff like there that. There were decks that were running Ishkanah that didn't have a black source in their thing to even take advantage of her. Yeah. Little six and a black opponent loses one life for each spider you control. She's like literally they just
0: there to they- wall.
1: Yeah, they were there to put a 3 5 reach and with delirium put a bunch of spiders on the battlefield and gum up the board. Exactly. And with those one-powered creatures, even one power creatures with a lot of spirits, some of them are like X-1s. So Liliana can just go, boop, kill you, boop, kill you with her plus ability. So she's taken up to her ultimate anyway and still just not even just like slowly kicking down creatures but like killing them.
0: Yeah, because Liliana can snipe a lot of really powerful cards. Like she can snipe a selfless spirit um, just like that's, out of the that's, blue.
1: That's another good card that showed up. Um, yeah. People Not are wondering, you know, how many Selfless Spirits do we play? And you play all four. You yep. play four Selfless Spirits in these decks, which is yeah. the 2-1 the one for one in a white, flying. You sacrifice it. You Creatures you control get indestructible on time to turn. What's nice about that is it helps with Archangel Abison.
0: Yeah, it's an, it's just an additional Avison effect. And...
1: Another card that kicked some serious butt this weekend, Kozilek's Return, the one oh that had geez. so much so much promise and kind of fell flat, literally becoming a $5 card. Yeah,
0: it turns but, out that being able to cast your Elder Deep Fiends on turn four and then flashing back a Kozilek's Return to just wipe your Coco opponent's board is absurdly good.
1: Yeah, Kozilek's Return, remember, was like a 30, $25, 30 card when it first came out, when Oath was out. And then it was like, okay, what deck are you playing? And I was like, yeah, good point dropped down to $5 card. All the finance people were like, buy this card, it's going to be good eventually. And it shot back up to like $12 card again. But yeah. it it's, it's played as a four of in these decks with Emerge because remember, these Emerge creatures count. All of these Emerge creatures trigger its second ability, which is converting mana cost seven or greater.
0: <laughs> like every delir- every Delirium deck or or like, or like every red deck, it basically, except for a few exceptions, are running Kozilek's Return if they're running Eldrazi, and they don't even care if they put it in the graveyard, because that's almost where they would rather it be. Because the first mode of two and a red instant, deal two damage to all creatures, not as impactful as, you know, you cast an Eldrazi that's seven CMC or higher, deal five to everything.
1: And the craziest part about the backside of Kozilek's return is it can't be countered.
0: Can't be spell
1: It can't be spell It could potentially, and I say potentially, be dealt with by... A card that I think was really good, which is Summary Dismissal. Yeah, um, which became some amazing tech that not a lot of people had. I Yuta Takahashi had one copy in his sideboard.
0: Yeah, just um, for miracles.
1: Just for miracles, but it should be at least a three-of decks that play blue. Yeah, if you're playing, um, blue. but it's remember it's a. The two blue blue instant exile all spells and counter all, abil- all other spells and counter all abilities. Well,
0: it's, it's, it's exile the abilities. Now, to be fair, no, actually, no, no, not no, to it, be fair. No, no, no. It's exile all other spells and
1: counter all abilities.
0: No, it's exile abilities.
1: No, it says – I read the card. It says counter all abilities.
0: I'm just going to look it up again just to prove you
1: no, – I literally read from the card. <laughs> it's exile all other spells and counter all Dang it. All. Come at me, bro. I'm wrong. I'm, I'm probably playing it this weekend at Ban Company. I should know what the card does. Fair enough. Anyways. No, but but the, the reason why it, it like Kozilek Return, actually, I said the may on it, is because Kozilek Return says may exile. Yeah. So what happens is, is if you cast that convert creature with CMC 7 or greater, the Kozilek Return trigger goes on the stack. Yeah. Then your opponent goes summary dismissal to try and exile, one, your creature that got cast, and two that kozark's return may ability. However, you can just opt not to ki- opt not opt not to have it go off, and your Kozar's return stays in the graveyard. Well, even, well, even if they
0: summary dismissal it, then the ability never leaves. Like, the ability never goes off, so they never get the chance to exile it.
1: Right, but it's one of those things where it's just like... Yep. They can choose even not to do the damage.
0: Yep. It's cute and all. Um, but real quick, I wanted to jump back up to Liliana real quick, because we, we forgot the most impressive part about Liliana. Because we mentioned it a little bit when we were talking about Kaya. And that is her emblem.
1: The Zamblebees.
0: We saw so many Liliana emblems. Like, like even it, at the top. <laughs> the best part would be, like,
1: they would they would finish on the main table and then cut over to, like, one of the side tables. like And they're like, oh, wait, is that? Oh, my God. Another Liliana emblem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Liliana, Liliana's emblem, for those of you who might not remember, is you at the beginning of your instep, you get X zombies where x is two plus the number of zombies you control. So you get two zombies to start with. If you have no other zombies, then you get four. Then you get uh, next after that would if you if no other zombies die, then you get eight, right? Because you go six plus two is eight. Yep. Then yep. you would it just goes it just goes absurdly quickly how many zombies you get.
1: Yeah, which is why we were mentioning earlier, like you have to start wasting spot removal on tiny creatures. Like it, it'll eventually get to the point where you would have to just. Have a languish. I do
0: not recall somebody beating a Liliana emblem on camera.
1: I don't remember seeing that either.
0: Yeah, it's it it. It's just it's so a, inevitable. It's just the it's inevitability deck, is high.
1: Yeah. It's it's a runaway. It's a runaway freight train of an emblem.
0: Like it doesn't kill you immediately. Like Elspeth Sun's champion. You get that emblem down. You're killing your opponent that turn.
1: Yeah, because you're gonna have had enough board state built out with all the yeah. tokens to get Whereas it. Whereas Liliana emblem. Liliana emblem says you have. Probably three turns to kill me before this
0: becomes unreasonable, and or, to find, or to find an answer to the zombies, which buys you another three turns.
1: But remember, though, you're not just getting like six zom like it's like oh you're getting like you know two and then you get four and whatever. It's like if those zombies stay, they're still there. Yeah, they're still there. <laughs> so you end up with two zombies, then six zombies, then twelve zombies, then twenty zombies, and you're like, oh, oh, that's forty power toughness coming coming my way.
0: Yeah, where's my looks return, please, please,
1: yeah. please. Yeah, so like, you, if it goes off like four or five turns, you're looking at like double lethal.
0: Yeah, it's silly. Uh, now, a card that was my pet card that I wanted to s- have see a lot of play was Traverse the Uvenwald, which also, which did actually see a lot of play. It's a four of in most of these Delirium decks, or it's in the Emerge decks as well as kind of a sideboard option, where you can grab a basic land if you don't have Delirium, but when you have Delirium, it just grabs anything in your deck. You're playing so- Company? Go get your Ishkana. Oh, you're playing against something else, and it's late game, grab your Emmercool. Whatever you want, it's there.
1: Uvenwald Tutor.
0: Yeah. It was everywhere and I was so happy, so happy for it. Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's not even if you're just using it to grab a land card, it's not a bad card.
0: No, it is absolutely a okay. Now a card that we're gonna talk about a little bit later, uh, in a deck that nobody saw on camera, but it went nine and one in standard. Thermo Alchemist. Yes! One in the red, common, Eldritch Moon, O3, Defender. It's a human shaman. Uh, you can p- tap it to deal one damage to each opponent. And then if you cast an instant sorcerer, you untap it.
1: I remember, I think I showed you the card when it was spoiled. I'm like, hey, hey, John, John, check, yeah. check. Oh, so no, it was the popper.
0: Uh, the popper storm, the, storm the list. The
1: popper storm list, yeah. And I was like, check this out. And you're like, dude. I'm like, yeah. yeah. People built... Ver, like sem- like pseudo storm.
0: Yeah. Now, the the reason why Thermal Alchemist is pretty good in this format. Um he's an 03 so he blocks everything on the ground pretty much aside from like some stray tokens or whatever. Uh also it just kills your opponent if they're dirtling, like the Delirium decks tend to do.
1: Like you mentioned turn 6 Emrakul on a god draw almost. Like... And
0: that, even then that's casting nothing affecting the board for the first few turns.
1: Right, so I actually, John and I both picked this deck up to, to test with. John's playing it at game day. I might be playing it at Grand Prix Portland this weekend. I'm still doing some testing. It's between the, it's between Thermo Thing and Company for me. But yeah. this deck is insane in that it leverages four Fevered Visions.
0: Oh, Fevered Visions, so good.
1: I know. Um, so I ended up, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me tweet the Pacha meme from uh, <laughs> uh, Emperor's New Groove. Uh, because last night I was just testing with some uh, testing against, uh, I think it was one of the teamer based decks. I'm not entirely sure. It was a Delirium deck. And I never saw them cast an Emrakul because I beat them c- too quick. I beat them. <laughs> I played suboptimally. I went back and clicked through the game and I'm like, yeah, I could have beat them on turn five. Yeah. Like, I, well, the thing is, I'm still learning it. So I didn't know like how the sequence, like, should I play my Jace on this turn? Should I play my. The thermal Alchemist on this turn, should I play my thing this turn? I was like, yeah. Eh. So I, w- I played suboptimally and still beat them on turn yep. six. Because if you get two thermal alchemists down, so what the, the cool part about thermal alchemist is you don't have to attack with this deck ever. You're I mean, never
0: all your creatures at- basically either have zero power or they have defender.
1: The only the only time you're turning a creature sideways to attack is cyborg cards. Now, granted, some versions of people have been building with a Bedlam Reveler in the main, namely Doc. Uh, he's been, I don't know his latest build, but I know he had a Bedlam Revolt moved up to the main, and also plays three Gold Castigators in his sideboard. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I actually was attacking, uh, with Weaver of Lightning out of the sideboard as well, against the Werewolf, oh, well, against the Werewolf deck. Oh, yeah. I, he had some, he had some, ex, he had some, like, three twos, and I was just like, go ahead, I dare you to block this. It's <laughs> like, it. I, I'm, it. it's <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna get in for one point of damage, and at that point, like, the cool part about this deck, too, is, like, I was talking to someone on Twitter, and... <laughs> It plays out similar, like it, it has the. I'm ignoring my life total for a little bit, and I'm not blocking your creatures, like in fact, does. Yeah. Because you can power out of turn five or turn six win because you get two Thermal Alchemists on the board. So it's the, you know, the the tap ability and then untap a, uh, an incendiary flow which is the one in a red sorcery deals three damage to target creature or player if this creature is dealt damage this turn. De- if a creature dealt damage this way it would die this turn, exile it instead. So think about it. So you, you tap both your Thermo Alchemists, you deal two damage to your opponent. Then you cast an Incendiary Flow to deal three more damage. That's five damage. But your Thermo Alchemist untaps, so you add two more to that. So that's seven damage. Say you have another Incendiary Flow in hand. Oh, that's three more damage. That's ten. And then you untap. That's twelve damage.
0: Yeah, it's silly.
1: Four mana for 12... 12 damage for four mana is infect levels of damage.
0: It's silly. It's a silly deck. It's and a silly place.
1: That's why, like, when I was playing, I was just like... My opponent, like, kept pinging himself down, too, like, and I'm like, oh, you're playing your pain lands and you're going up against this deck. Homie, homie, you're dead. Because I played, like, a turn two Thermo Alchemist, a turn three Fever Visions, then a turn four Jace Thermo Alchemist, then turn five. Basically knocked them down to 13... Yeah. And then they took themselves to eleven, and then Fevered Visions hit them down to nine. And I'm like, "You're just dead."
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, had- I will say that uh, one of my friends, uh, he's on he he was on the Black Green Delirium deck before the Pro Tour started, so yeah. good on him. Um, but he he told me the other day, he's like, "You know what, John? I really don't like Land Wastes in my deck. I don't." And that's like this is probably part of the reason, but it's just you're just gonna ping yourself so low, we're needing all this colored mana. But we'll see. Moving on to cards that went down. Um you know what we didn't see at the pro tour at all? Humans Those decks.
1: Those dirty dirty humans.
0: Humans decks didn't show up. Turns out when you're playing Ishkanaz, aggro doesn't really have a good chance.
1: Yeah, some people are saying like the white weenie decks are could potentially feast on these, but we didn't see the pros playing a lot cuz not unless I mean, you're Also company un- unless, also well, unless your name is Craig Wesko, you're not going to be playing <laughs> yeah. weenie at a pro tour.
0: Yeah, unless you're Craig Wesko. Um no, but like the Humans deck they lose the Col- they lose the Kozlex return. And then mm-hmm. if you like if the delirium deck does turn 3 uh, Pilgrims eye then turn 4 emerge with the Kozul's return in the graveyard, you just lose your whole board ignoring all the always watchings that you may or may not have.
1: Yeah, cuz remember when like with the the Bant Human Company deck that started becoming become more prevalent as the company deck to go towards at the end of Shadow Standard, that was more of a value over time based deck where you would eventually just build up your board state to the part where you could just either wipe out your opponent's board state and have like a massive, like, 9 8 uh, tireless tracker or whatever on the board and start bashing their face in with that. Or you'd end up with a lot of, you know, pumped up people based off of you just start flickering. Because even though it's a human's deck, they would still play the uh, Eldrazi Displacer just yeah. to bounce their uh, Thalia's Lieutenants over and over and over again.
0: Yeah.
1: but Pretty good. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it was just the emerge decks and these delirium based decks are just the by the time that you get the value out of Bant Humans that you want, the emerge deck is casting
0: Emmercool. Yeah, it's just no, it's <laughs> just yeah, not very good.
1: Huh, yeah, I mean, there were a couple there was a Bant Humans deck at eight wins. Eh,
0: that's there good. was one,
1: yeah, it, which is it only just picked up three Thalia's Cathar and two tamios in the main, and that's. Basically yeah. all it picked up out of this deck. But speaking of speaking of Tamio, real quick, just an aside. Girl did work.
0: Yep. She was a sideboard card mostly, but she did a lot of good work.
1: I'm testing her main mm, in, in my in my company deck. Just... Uh
0: other cards that went down, company kind of, like the whole collected company deck kinda of took a took a little bit of a hit. Because you know the best way to beat Spellqueller? Cast five drops and higher, which I jokingly said, not expecting Actually, only having pros basically cast the only spells that matter be five or higher. <laughs> yeah,
1: there there was a decent number at seven wins or higher. Yeah, um, not a lot. I mean, I think actually at seven wins or higher, the Delirium and/or Emerge decks come out if you just look at Delirium decks, regardless of its teamer or black-green based as a subset. So you're like, well, I'm looking to cast Emrakul or Big Stuff with Delirium or Super Delirium versus Company. Delirium yeah. decks wiped, like had way more in like a seven six seven wins and above. Yeah. That said, <laughs> this company is still really good, and people who were play on the pro tour. I was asking last night. I'm like, would you go with Thermo or would you go with Bant? And some of them were saying Bantam in the face. Yeah. And I'm still testing personally to see what I think, but I mean, it's still one of those things where people like. Yeah, it got it got taken down definitely a notch.
0: Yeah, well, when everybody's gunning for you, when you're coming for the king, better not miss. Yeah, um, you best you best
1: not miss. They, <laughs> they did miss. They did not miss. They I mean, miss. especially when black-white control wins. I mean,
0: yeah. Now let's go ahead and talk about some of the other decks. We already mentioned the uh, thermo alchemist thing in the ice deck, which is really sweet, which is absurd, an absurd delirium matchup. Uh, if,
1: if other decks
0: that if, popped up were the blue-black zombies deck slash madness deck.
1: Oh my God! Because this prize amalgam
0: so... needs more formats that it needs to do good in. This... Uh, your
1: base, it's basically standard dredge.
0: Yeah, basically. Uh, now this this deck is explicitly targeted for Bant company. It doesn't care about anything else. Basically, it never loses the company matchup, but will lose the delirium matchup as it comes up because <laughs> all this deck wants to do is is play zombies and then do put stuff in their graveyard and like haunted dead back and put two prize amalgams into play. And then the other way it wins is it has Voldaren Pariah, which is the real way it beats Company, where you just sack three creatures and make a six-five flyer, and then they sack their board.
1: And yeah, the, the Sam Black did an amazing deck tech. If you want to see this deck and it sounds fun to you, definitely go check out his deck tech. That will be on the Wizards YouTube page for yep. this. Um, and he was saying like they basically metagamed Star City, the Star City Open. Yeah. <laughs> a, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, honey. When as soon as he said we, we basically looked at the Stars of the Games meta game, I'm like, mm, yeah, you don't do that for a Pro Tour. Yeah, you, you, you look at that as the baseline to see what decks people might bring. Sam Black and knows my,
0: better, but still, I mean, if you want to if you want to target or, if you want an orbital laser at Coco, this is it.
1: Yeah, so like I was just gonna say like for the the thermo thing, if you want a fun deck to play at your FNM and your local meta includes just bant players for days, bring zombies. If yeah. they're bringing the Teemer, and Emerge or Delirium or even Sulti Delirium, there was a deck or two of those. Yeah. Um they
0: all play similarly.
1: Yeah. They're all playing green. Yeah. Um, but if if that's more of your thing and you want something hilariously fun and fast, try out the Thermo Alchemist deck. Thermo Alchemist deck I think like it's not an expensive deck either. It's like, not. It's really not in, in paper, today. So we're talking uh, August 10th, it is still only under $140 in paper with the version that Pedro Carvalho took to nine wins. Which is pretty
0: good.
1: Under $140. There was a Mono White Humans deck that finished with nine wins. Anyways. That was $114. And that probably had insane luck and matchups and stuff. But Thermo Thing definitely has a lot better matchups against what could be expected out there in the field. And you're going up against decks that are... $300 $400. $300 $400. So, if you want something nice and cheap that you might already have a bunch of cards of, everyone's like, Oh, the, the most expensive card in the deck is Jace Fringe Prodigy, but Jace has fallen off again. Yeah, Jace he's, is he's around
0: 30 ish right now. He's,
1: he's 30, he's thir- between 25 30 bucks. So, yeah, he's actually not a bad pickup right now. So, no,
0: he really isn't. Uh, other thing I wanted to quickly touch on is that the black green delivery deck is far from solved. Because the oh, like yeah. delirium decks varied in whether they ran vessels or not, whether they ran grapples or not, or whether they ran grim flares or not.
1: Yeah, that was that was the big question that when I was modding the chat room is that people were like, why isn't this deck playing grim flare? Like, and then the people be like, well, other decks are playing grim flares. Don't worry about it. it I think it really came down to the testing team.
0: Yeah, because I believe face to face was playing grim flares. Yeah, Sam Pardee um, had it in his. Yeah, list. Yeah, Sam Purdy had his, but I don't think CFB or the Pantheon had any of their any Grim players in their lists. Um, I know it wasn't played in the Gen Delirium deck that um, Brad Nelson played, but Grim Player is just. I th- I'm not sure if the green black Delirium decks are going to converge on wh- on which one's better or not, but it we'll see in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I really think over time, uh, it's going to people are going to be like, okay, so this is this is the. I really do think though that the black green delirium decks do have that leeway where you can go with okay, do I want grim flare or do I want this? Yeah, and I think it's going to be a meta call. It could be honestly. Well, because if you if you're going up against um, opponents that are going to be playing teamer and stuff like that, that have access to killing the creature like grim flare, because you really need, or you're going up against uh, a bunch of white black control decks, languish decks, basically. Grim flare even with delirium dies to language. Yeah. So, so, and you need him to deal combat damage to start chaining value. Yeah. That so. said, you need to get Delirium and then you can start hitting for four with Trample. Otherwise, there's a two-true Trample for two. It's going to die to some spot removal. Yeah. If you just, if, and so this some of the, the decks that we looking to just be like, look, I'm just going to dump a crap ton of cards into my graveyard. They ignored, those are the decks that ignore Gr- Grim Flare, the ones that were just like, I'm laser focused on dumping stuff into my graveyard.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm sure the Greenback Delirium decks will converge at some point, but the fact that there's a, there is there is this leeway right now is really nice. Uh, mm-hmm. And that brings us kind of to the end of our constructed portion of the Pro yeah. Tour. Was there anything else that we missed?
1: I don't think so. No, I just – I want to – they had some – like just touching on coverage before we move off the sure. Pro Tour. They did a good job. Um, they had nice stuff. There was not a whole lot of downtime in the coverage, which I think was great.
0: There was uh, the, the down- there was the small problem at the beginning where they were having trouble with the reporting software and chat got antsy.
1: Oh uh, yeah. So that ended up happening there. Apparently is the going, like so they drafted. And then the, the remember they did, we mentioned this in the last episode, they changed how they paired and how the pairings actually kind of worked in terms of it. Just spitting out, you would go to your table and you would see your opponent there. You wouldn't see the opponent there. So it was, a different genera- gener- generated uh, output from the uh, software, uh, the reporting software, and it didn't work very well for like 40, 30, 40 minutes. Right, like so, they drafted, waited like 45, 50 minutes before they actually got to play. Like after the construction period of their deck, so they drafted, had the construction, had the deck construction period, and then still had to wait another like round worth of time before a game played. So everyone was getting antsy. Stuff like that, I mean, you can test it all you want, but it's still new software. Yeah. People are going to be antsy anyway. Um, I think they had a couple derps in where the Twitch stream went down, but not the YouTube stream. So, the
0: YouTube stream is actually oddly um, consistent.
1: It is very solid in terms of that. But I just think the people who be like, I don't want to watch YouTube. And I'm like, guys, just just calm down, please. (laughs) Um, It's something where. I don't know how you can really improve that in particular, namely because there are in Australia. <laughs> yep. And Australia, as if, if you don't know already has is well known for not having the greatest quality internet anyway. Yeah. Um, they basically have toilet internet. Well, it's not toilet internet. They have to pay out the pay out the nose for it. Yeah. Uh, for even what we, we appreciate in the state side as decent, uh, through rates and everything, so that said, I I do think the coverage team was good. Um, they the pairings uh, in terms of the booth, there are there were definitely some stronger pairings in terms of commentator color commentator, and some weaker pairings. Um, I'm not really going to mention the pairings in particular, but it's it's funny to see like a certain like person X with person A was not that great, but person X with persons B and C were really good. Yeah. Or person, I mean, y- or person Y with person A and B are good, but person Y with person C isn't. It was, it's one of those like they were fine tuning which pairings actually work really well together. I think, I know, I don't know how well it is for the pro tour to be able to be done, but how they have started doing it for other events where they have like this is team A and this is team B. Team A will be the, the main team for like three rounds, and then they'll switch to team B for the main for three rounds, and. The one that's not the main will co- cover the the backup matches during the little breaks and stuff like that. I for I example like at
0: GP Sydney, uh, Team B was Tim Willoughby and Frank Carson, and Team A was Marshall Sutcliffe. And was he paired with BDM for GP Sydney? I'm trying to remember who he was.
1: I think so. But that's- even then, but even then, it wasn't even like A B in terms of quality, which yeah. is that. But let me tell you what Frank Carson and Tim Willoughby in the booth, excellent.
0: I mean Frank Carson's accent can sometimes lose me a bit, but I mean. Just sheer knowledge is just fantastic.
1: Oh, Frank is amazing. Just, just the sheer math knowledge he brings to yeah. the game. I know you love that.
0: Oh, I do. I, I do love it. Um, uh, I will say um, another thing that I'm going to be missing about Randy is that Randy was always great on coverage. Randy is so hype. Yeah, Randy he, was always great on coverage. Like ev-
1: so- everyone always like jokes about Mauro being like hype 100% of the time. Like That's like Randy's equivalent. He just lo- He just loves the game.
0: Yeah he and is it always
1: it always shows he just loves the game and wants to just be like just talk about it and he's always excited to talk about it it's so great
0: yeah and then this brings us nicely into the world championships happening at Pax West at the end yeah, of PAX. August or PAX hype. end of August beginning of September i believe it is um and as we mentioned at the top Owen Turnwald is our player of the year so he gets qualified for there as well as since he's a master now the funny thing was that because of the top 4 Everyone who qualified for the World Championships was already, or the four people in the in the top or in the semifinals, already had qualifications for Worlds, and so that opened up an at-large spot. And the last person to qualify for Worlds, Mike Sigrist,
1: All our right. last
0: year's Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, so I think that's kind of fun. Um, I'm I don't know how much of the World Championships I'll actually get to watch at PAX West because I'll be going to PAX West, obviously. I'm gonna call it PAX Prime because PAX West kind of trips me up. <laughs> It's PAX West now. You say it so many times, it starts becoming a tongue twister. Of course, that's with so many other things. But no, I, I, um, I, I'm i sure I'll try and catch a little bit of it because they're taking over the – We talked about this the other time. Yeah, they're taking over Paramount Theater, which is nice. Um, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes. It's, it's going to be gonna really be, sweet. Yeah. And then as a reminder, GB Portland's this weekend. Uh, I believe good. there's coverage for it. There is. Yeah. Uh, so yep. that'll be Marshall. on your, that'll be on your twitch.tv slash magic. Marshall's there.
1: In. I'm trying to remember who else is going to be there. I know Rich is producing the event.
0: Yeah. Rich Hagen is producing the event, which is the only time we, the only time we see Rich on camera, by the way, is pro tours. So, but yeah, cause production.
1: usually, usually, yeah, he'll do the production stuff. But I mean, speak. All right. So back to kind of touching back on PT coverage. I love Rich in the book. Rich booth. Hagen's great. Rich, Rich on the Rich on the news desk is uh, a a plus. Oh my god, the jokes that BDM and Rich were throwing at each other this weekend were amazingly bad. If you
0: haven't listened to the Limited Resources episode where Marshall interviews Rich Hagen, please do so. If oh. only for the sign off. Oh if only for the sign off, because Rich Hagen is a great A wordsmith.
1: The greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Limited Resources sign off of all time. Yes, it's, um. it's great but there was a joke that i forget exactly what it was but bdm like said it and then rich just gave him like a stare like you really <laughs> really and then went to the camera and it was just like oh man it was and it was consummate uh, professionals
0: no it was just great
1: um uh, but no i'll i'll be at gp portland this weekend it's it's a standard there is going to be coverage uh i know marshall's doing it like i said i don't know who else is doing it with him in the booth uh the it was in the uh additional coverage Stuff that they put out a few weeks ago that they mentioned who his partner was going to be for that because they like the expanded coverage kind of thing for the rest of the year uh, mentioned it in there. I don't know off the top of my head. I frankly could care less because I'm going to be playing in it. I mean, yeah, that means you won't
0: have you won't have uh, Ian in in the Twitch chat to moderate you all. So you all better behave.
1: (laughs) Mods are away. Post cats. Um, (laughs) No, but I'm. It's a pipe dream to get. On camera, it probably won't happen, but I mean, what's nice is this one, they're starting on round one. So I'm yes. like, come on, round one feature matchup, they know I'm there.
0: Yep, they, <laughs> they, 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 they have learned from CFB doing round ones. Now, I mean, again, we can do Cities. we can do it a whole, we can do a whole episode on coverage as well, where we yeah, talk but, about man, it, it and it's cov- how it's changed, coverage, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to yeah, be fun. They, yeah, because
1: they used to focus most, it's like, okay, the pros are in round three, when I start round three, numbers like, well, I, I want to see rounds one through three. Let's yeah. see some underrated players that might we might see somewhere down the line. Yeah.
0: Anyways, that is going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Ian, where can people find you?
1: People can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash dicks and IJ. Like I brought up a couple times in the episode. Uh, stuff I mentioned. I'll mention if I'm going to be streaming and stuff. And You can find me on Twitch for streaming at twitch.tv slash dicks. That's D-I-X. Um, I don't know if I'm going to stream tonight. It's getting kind of late. But I will be streaming tomorrow uh, doing a bunch of testing because I'm going on leave to go down to Portland, take a couple days off uh, from work, and I have to sign out on leave at midnight on Friday. So I will be streaming basically all night or all evening to midnight at least Pacific time uh, on t- Thursday evening. So that'll be fun. Anyway, John, where can I find you?
0: You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. You can also find me on Twitch by that same handle, but I still haven't gotten a streaming together so you won't see me on there for quite a while. You just, uh, if, guessed, you just guessed on my stream that's all. Exactly. Uh, if you want to reach the podcast directly you can do so in two ways. You can either find us on Twitter which is at eyes of the mice or you can hit us up at on our email at eyes and the at gmail.com. Please remember to leave us a, a review or give us some feedback. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, One thing that we've been looking forward to quite a bit is uh, you'll notice that at the top of the show, we had intro music. I was about to say,
1: we actually have music now because they
0: finally got back to us like yesterday. I know. It was great. And then uh, once I'm done talking, you will hear more outro music, which is going to be fantastic. Um, And just give us feedback because we want to know how we can best help you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next time.